You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Well, today, without question, it might just seem like Thursday, but it's actually Trump Day in the USA. We have a lot to get up to speed on. It's going to happen this afternoon. Let's hear the latest. President Trump, the third indictment. Washington stepping up security for an unprecedented arraignment. Our former president of the United States set to be fingerprinted and formally charged with trying to steal an election. Special counsel Jack Smith claiming that former President Trump was knee-deep in a criminal scheme built on lies that culminated in violence that exploded on Capitol Hill on January 6th. It was fueled by lies. Lies by the defendant targeted at obstructing a bedrock function of the U.S. government, the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of the presidential election. Jack Smith insisting Trump knew he lost the election, but tried to overturn the results anyway, determined to remain in power, claiming that he spread lies about fraud, though he knew that they were false. But the indictment about more than Trump's public statements, it was about his actions, too, including a relentless pressure campaign targeting Republican officials, including his own vice president, Mike Pence. Pence on Wednesday reacting to the indictment, which mentions him more than 100 times and quotes Trump telling him, you're too honest. I've been very clear. I'd hoped it wouldn't come to this. Pence testified before Smith's grand jury and turned over contemporaneous notes he took after his conversations with Trump. For my part, I want people to know that I had no right to overturn the election uh, and that uh, what the president maintained that day and frankly has said over and over again over the last two and a half years is completely false. The indictment charging Trump was told over and over again by his own attorney general, Homeland Security officials, White House counsel, and state election officials that his claims about election fraud were false. For example, Trump insinuated that more than 10,000 dead voters had voted in Georgia. But just four days earlier, Georgia's secretary of state had explained to Trump that this was false. But the president's supporters pushing back. This line of defense from his attorney. This is an attack on free speech and political advocacy. And there's nothing that's more protected under the First Amendment. But Trump's own attorney general says while he has some general concerns with the case, the Justice Department's prosecution is legitimate. All conspiracies involve speech and all fraud involves speech. So, uh, you know, free speech doesn't give you the right to engage in a fraudulent conspiracy. Trump in court facing charges is starting to feel familiar, but the consequences for the nation's politics and the rule of law are enormous. Michael? You know, that's interesting. That was Bill Barr with um, commenting on the element that all involve, you know, speech. In action, because that's kind of been the defense. All right, the coverage continues. Former president spending his morning here at his New Jersey golf club before making his way to Washington. This is certainly not how the former president and Republican frontrunner was hoping to make his return to Washington, not for an inauguration, but rather instead his third indictment in just four months. He is expected to travel by private jet, sources telling us he'll be accompanied by members of his legal team and campaign staff. His motorcade will then wind its way through Washington, going just blocks from the White House and the Capitol. Trump returning to the alleged scene of the crime, but he is returning defiant. Trump insists this is all just an effort by President Biden and Democrats to weaponize the Justice Department against him. Trump himself telling ABC News this latest indictment is just a ridiculous pile-on. The former president trying to turn his legal woes and his legal defense into a campaign rallying cry. Now, he does not have any other events scheduled for today, though we are told he is possibly considering speaking to reporters after his court appearance. Good morning, Mike. All right, well, that would certainly be interesting and different. Um, hmm. The idea of that is only going to bring more attention, if that's possible. 
All right, what should he expect inside the courthouse? Basic here we go. Good morning, Robin. When he arrives here, Trump is going to be processed in court as a criminal defendant. And he's been through this twice before. But once again, he's going to have to give his social security number, his address, basic information, and have his fingerprints scanned. At no time, though, will he be in handcuffs. And there won't be any mugshot because he's already one of the most photographed people in the country. We're told police are tracking no threats or protests that could disrupt this court appearance. But security here is tight, especially after a scare up the block on Capitol Hill. A 911 caller reported an active shooter in a Senate office building. None was found, but hundreds of officers went floor by floor with guns drawn. Trump is set to appear here before a federal magistrate, but his case is ultimately assigned to a district court judge who was appointed by then-President Obama. Judge Tanya Chutkin has ruled against Trump before when he tried to keep documents from the Congressional Committee investigating January 6th, and she is impose some harsh sentences for January 6th defendants. But George, no judge has ever heard a case quite like this that asks whether a sitting president can spread lies to overturn the will of the people. George. Because it hasn't happened. That, um, that's interesting how um, what happened yesterday on Capitol Hill with the 911 uh, saying an active shooter in the building. I actually got people sent me video of that thinking that something had happened, and I had to explain that it was all false. All right, so what about the element, the legal part of this, once they are inside? And two trials already set. We'll see when this one is scheduled. You've also got Georgia likely to be coming up as well. But an important point here, even if Donald Trump is convicted, even if these trials happen before the election, he could still run. Absolutely. Um, it, I think part of the, the goal here for Donald Trump, of course, is to move these cases back, try to make it after the election, because he believes he can make these federal cases go away if he can win the election. That's why when I'm watching today the arraignment, I'm looking at this less through a legal prism, as I typically would an ordinary case, and I'm looking at it through a political prism. You know, which door is he going to come in? Is he going to speak to the media? I mean, this, is, this really is more a political event than legal one today. Well, in fact, George, he had the opportunity to have this appearance remotely. He could have done it via Zoom. Yeah. But he, it was Trump himself who insisted in coming to D.C. himself because, again, this is the political campaign as much as a legal one. doesn't convince anybody who isn't already convinced to be a supporter of his. We'll have to see. I have to ask him. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you. you know, that's an that's, um, interesting point, and I get it. Um, they feel, you know, if he's going to go through this, then no, I'm going to go in person and let that he will be the complete focal point of the news today. And I also want to remind anyone going against him, it's impossible to get any traction. Uh, the entire news is blocked out. You know who else benefits from this, though, is President Biden, because there's less focal uh, point on him. The amount of time that he's actually taken off. He's had more vacation time. Uh, but so we will uh, speak with our legal analyst, attorney Tim Dodd, but it is definitely Trump Day in the USA. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue, West Warwick. Delicious food and drink. They have a great bar area, always a dependable menu. Whether you're going to eat there or take out, a delicious meal is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Look for them online. You can also find them on Facebook. Whether it's lunch, dinner, or drinks in the lounge, always a good time at the Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. Falcon Pest Services, when you have a pest problem, give them a call. Serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, 401-739-1322. Falcon Pest Services, residential or commercial, whether it is for maybe you have some kind of a termite problem, bed bugs, ants, roaches, listen, a mice problem, mice can be problematic, rats, mosquitoes, many other pests, Falcon Pest Services, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, all different types of programs, multifamily housing, condos, apartments, single family homes, restaurants, office buildings, highly trained, experienced pest control technicians maybe it's once a year maybe it's a one-time treatment monthly service quarterly or year-round protection you can depend falcon pest services call them today for a free quote 
739-1322. Get your yard sprayed. Get rid of those mosquitoes. Falcon Pest Services. Call today, 401-739-1322. Falcon Pest Services. You can also find them on Facebook. You're listening to the John DePito Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, which is topetro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, one of Rhode Island's top legal minds, attorneys. It's our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, let's start off the big story, of course. Another set of indictments come down, President Trump. Uh, these certainly seem different. And there's also the, the element we'll get into a little bit about the co-conspirators and so forth. But just... Uh, before I ask any questions, just first blush, I'd like to hear Attorney Dodd's views on this latest indictments against President Trump. It's um, it's a bit different, John, in terms of the legal theories that um, the indictment is pursuing. Uh, one would have thought before this came out that they might have charged President Trump with, you know, inciting a riot, sedition, things of this nature. Um, you know, I don't think they ever had that case to prosecute, but that seemed the obvious way uh, for the prosecutors to go. They've come up with a different theory that all, all based upon obstruction and conspiracy, conspiracy to defraud the United States conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, i.e. certification of the electoral votes, um, obstruction of an official proceeding when the rioters uh, stormed the Capitol, and um, conspiracy uh, against uh, public rights, the right to vote. These are very unusual um, types of allegations and charges to make within this type of indictment it really, like we've seen before in the recent past, it's almost a thought crime. Um, if the president knew at the time he made the statements that there was no election fraud, there was nothing improper about the vote count, but he went around saying you know, it was a stolen election, there was fraud, there was shenanigans with ballots, the whole deal. If he, in his mind, knew it was false, but he was saying it anyways, that would be the basis for these charges. If the president truly believed that the election had been stolen, that there was fraud with the ballots, the things that he has been saying consistently since... Um, since January 6th and beforehand, if he really believed it, then it becomes a thought crime. Now, why did he think the election had been stolen? Apparently, people like Attorney General Bill Barr were telling the president, look, there's no, there's nothing here. It's, it, there's no fraud. There's no, right. this hasn't been stolen. He had other people that he trusted saying, yes we've got the evidence that there was fraud and this was stolen. He's got his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, telling him this. He's got Sidney Powell telling him this. He's got John Eastman, his per one of his personal attorneys, apparently telling him this. So maybe he chose to believe who he wanted to believe, but if he had a good faith basis to think and to say in public, this is a stolen election, that's his opinion uh, it might have been incorrect. There might not have been the evidence as time went on. But if he's being charged because what he thought was incorrect, that would be extraordinarily dangerous. They've got to prove that he knew the statements were false when he made them, and he made them with the intent to you know, create this riot situation, this alleged riot situation, and to... Um, interrupt the um, Congress's certification of the election. If this sticks, 
you know, what's next? Being prosecuted for espousing, quote unquote, dangerous misinformation. I mean, you know, that's been the social media tagline. Oh, this is dangerous misinformation. It's a very slippery slope. It puts the First Amendment in many ways in in peril. Uh, the timing of this indictment is uh, questionable at best. And as you and I have said before, at least from from my view, is you know if these if there are legitimate crimes that were committed by Donald Trump or anybody else, yep, um, have at it. I, I think the New York case is weak. I think this case is extraordinarily weak. Um, I'm not sure about Georgia because we haven't heard from that um, whether there's going to be an indictment there. I think the president has a certain amount of peril from the Mar-a-Lago case, clearly. But whether any of your listeners love Trump or can't stand Trump, the perceived, maybe it's not actual, but the perceived attempt to politicize the Justice Department to attack political opponents should be disturbing to anybody, whether Trump's your candidate or that you can't stand the guy. I think this is all a very dangerous precedent that the major candidate from the opposing party during an election cycle is being subject to multiple um, indictments based upon, in most cases, very questionable crimes. Um, one thing, one thing that's going to have to happen, or at least should the Trump team, whoever his lawyers are on this one, they've got to try to get a change of venue because okay. if this try, if this matter stays in uh, the District of Columbia and doesn't get moved to Virginia, let's say, or Maryland, um, the president's got a real problem. It appears that he's got a judge who comes from. Very strong Democrat background. She's a Obama appointee. She used to work, I believe, at the law firm that was representing right, um, right. Hunter uh, Biden on some of his uh, criminal matters. You know, it's hard to show that a judge has bias. No one's suggesting that at this point, but right. apparently she is a tough judge. She has been very tough sentencing um, other of the. Um, Uh, January 6th defendants who have come before her. She's been whacking people with very stiff uh, criminal sentences. So if this case stays in D.C., um, I could see the president having problems at trial and then having to go through appeals to try to flip whatever might happen at the trial level if this case can't get thrown out before trial. um, I'm sorry, go ahead. How significant is it that apparently Vice President Mike Pence took copious notes while all of this was going on? It could be very problematic. And and it depends if the president was leaning on Pence to um, not participate in certifying the electoral college results. Well, and if Trump is saying, Mike, you, you don't have to do this. You should stop this because of whatever the articulated reasons were. Again, is the president stating what he's being told by his legal counsel is an sure. appropriate way to stop what was happening? And I believe Trump got the information directly from John Eastman. So his lawyer is telling him this is how we stop this. Okay. He, he, he con- his Trump contacts Pence and says this is how we stop this. I think Mike Pence appropriately said i'm not going along with this right um, but tim if you could just touch on how that plays in court compared to a witness who's trying to remember or recall how it's treated when there's someone that says I, I i was taking notes during all of this well if he took notes i believe that uh, vice president pence i i believe he testified before the grand jury okay. he's got notes Those notes are contemporaneous. Um, They would be very valuable evidence for prosecutors if the notes reflect what the prosecutor's theory of the case is. But it all comes down to if, if Donald Trump said, listen, Mike, 
I know that this is really not the way to go, but we got to try it. Don't be such a boy scout. Don't be yeah. so scrupulous. You know, we got to do, so we, we got to cut some corners. <laughs> yeah, don't be so honest. We got to cut a few corners. Come on, wink, wink, nod, nod. If that's going on, it depends again what words were said. Sure. It's just like in Georgia, if Trump says, you got to go find me 11,000 votes, yeah. does that mean? do a recount or does that mean go phony up some ballots? I mean, right. the, the words mean what people interpret them to mean. So sure. if it's a, if it's a contest of what words president Trump used, um, maybe it's a problem. Maybe it isn't. We don't really right. know what um, the Pence notes will show, right. but we do know that at a trial, I'm not sure if Donald Trump would ever testify, but um He's going to say that everything that he was putting out there was based upon the advice he was. I presume he'll say this is what I was told by my attorneys. Sure. What the hell am I supposed to do? Yeah. Now, two other aspects of this. Um, One is, I mean, there is the day in Florida, Gore and Bush in 2000. I mean, both camps were objecting to the results. So this criminalization of someone challenging election results seems dangerous but tim dot i just want to if you could touch on you know because i was hearing it last night people like hey first amendment freedom of speech that's what he thought well you know if i walk into a bank and say hey give me your money freedom of speech i i it, it doesn't exactly work the way i you tell me is that an effective argument freedom of speech he had the right to speak up and say he thinks that it was stolen from him well, he can say it's different to walk in a bank and say, give me all your money, because that's part and parcel of a criminal act to try to okay. rob a bank. Freedom if of I, speech. Yeah, well, <laughs> but it's a, OK. Put your hands up. I'm robbing you. Give me your wallet. That's all right. free speech, but it's still part and parcel of a crime okay. to say that the election was stolen. I don't think rises to that same level. That's an okay. opinion that he was putting forth based upon what he was told by his trusted legal counsel. And by the way, to your point about Bush v. Gore, what about Stacey Abrams when she lost for the first time for four years? She never conceded. She never accepted the election results. She continuously said that there were problems with voter suppression. She had a number of legal theories and other and political theories that the election was stolen from her. Nothing was ever said or done about that. And she was the voice of, you know, stolen elections for a long time um, that she was the rightful governor, you know, sure. all sorts of things that she said. That not, that it's, these... not that it's federal, but it's still the same type of activity. Sure. These co-conspirators, are we going to see charges coming forward with them? I, I would bet on it because yeah. in order to get to Trump, it seems to me they're going to either have to get plea bargains or get uh, out of some of these uh, alleged co-conspirators or get them to flip. I mean, Rudy Rudy is already in so much trouble. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if he's got anything to lose to. Uh, turn on the president Sidney powell she's been totally destroyed professionally financially and every other way uh, same with john eastman um, might they flip might they come forth and say yes you know trump conceded to me that he knew it was all bs but he was putting it out there anyways i mean those things could be very harmful if <laughs> that type of information were to come out yeah rudy try, let's have trial by combat well, you know, and, you know, Sidney Powell was immediate. We all yeah. recall, I'm going to yeah. release the crack and I've got the information. Yeah. I mean, at first blush, it's like, holy cow, they've wow. really got the information. Wow. Yeah. Let's let's wait and see what comes out. And then we all waited for weeks and weeks and months and months. And she laid an egg. Nothing, she didn't have anything. I mean, it was it was embarrassing. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Legal expert attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro show. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement, call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 
323-9252, AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling. Contact them today. It's a family-run business. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvements. Call for a free quote. What a difference they'll make in your home, your ceilings, floors, basements. 401-323-9252. What a difference. Beautiful walls and ceilings. 401-323-9252. You can also find them on Facebook. It's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. Check out topetro.com. We have merchandise, all the shows, video, exclusive stories waiting for you right there at thepetro.com. We're speaking with our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, the story that certainly raised a lot of eyebrows are these individuals where there was apparently a man that passed away who did not have a will. And uh, while this was going on in the immediate aftermath, apparently he did have some collectibles, various things like that. And, a bunch of them, including a probate judge, were all kind of swept up in this whole thing that they conspired together to then sell a number of his items. What can you tell us about this case? It's a it's somewhat unusual. I mean, things happen when people die, when there's lots of collectibles and valuables and cash and all kinds of things and all sorts of goodies in, in, in the house. Um you're right. There's a probate judge who's a lawyer who's been swept up in this, who we'll get to. But my understanding is that the gentleman that passed away for days before his death was in imminent danger of, of passing away. And I think there were some things taken be- from this house before his death. He had lots okay. of baseball cards. He had pallets of baseball cards. Wow. Um, dozens if not hundreds of firearms lots and lots of weapons and other valuables and collectibles there was also apparently a substantial amount of cash tucked away in this house so the my girlfriend of the decedent who thought she was a beneficiary under his estate she gets in the house she then brings in counsel to say what do i do here because the guy dies on a weekend so you can't get into court to um, petition for a conservatorship, but you got a house that has potentially a million dollars worth of goodies inside. Yeah. So council takes steps to secure things, to inventory and secure the weapons, to inventory and secure the cash, to get a safe deposit box, to video everything that's in there, etc. All appropriate. On the first weekday that could be done, there's a petition to, for custodianship to, for, to basically memorialize and approve what's been done to preserve estate assets. This type of thing happens every day of the week where you go in on when there's what we would call exigent circumstances. It's an emergency. We've got to secure this stuff before it all starts going south. Well, apparently before the uh, conservatorship was set up and before council got involved, it appears, it looks like, things were being removed before any lawyers ever got involved in this case. And those things started to get uh, listed for sale on eBay. Um, All right, so now the police investigate. I think some of the heirs were understandably upset with what was going on. They thought it, uh, assets were being stolen and attempted to be resold. All right. One of the co-custodians, there were two attorneys, co-custodians. Um, one gets out of the case, submits a bill for services. That bill <clears throat> Apparently had some incorrect dates or times. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so let's assume work was done on August 2nd. And erroneously, it was put down that the work was done on August 1st. And that's that's a simple example. But things of billing errors. 
um, for a felony, the misappropriation or the attempt to misappropriate funds has to be in excess of 1500 bucks. My understanding is that the bill was submitted by this attorney. It was like in the range of like low 2000s. So she just hit the mark for being a felony. So do I think it's criminal? Based on what I know and what I've been told, it does not appear to be a crime. There has to be a state of mind. You've got to have the mens rea, as we would say. You have to have criminal intent. So if there's a billing mistake, oh, I put down this date instead of that date. Oh, I put down 45 minutes instead of a half hour. Those are not things of criminal intent. And to me, the intent would be, oh, we get in a state here with no one's paying attention. Let me whack up a bill for tens of thousands of dollars and see if I can steal a little bit of money because no one's looking. That's the type of thing which should raise eyebrows, uh, not what appear, apparently, based on what we know, happened in this case. Um, it's uh, you know, For any lawyer, it's unfortunate to get jammed up in one of these things. And it's also unfortunate because there's no allegation and there's no facts to support that the attorney quarterbacked any of what went on in terms of stealing cards and selling guns or anything like that. I think as the state police investigated all the shenanigans, once they got past the uh, baseball cards and the guns, they were drilling down looking for other issues and they came across, oh, we got a billing error here. Look at this. And thus the charges were made. But it's a standalone situation of an alleged fraudulent billing practices, nothing to do with conspiring to assist or direct the stealing and resale of any of these assets it's it seems to me a very unfortunate situation and i would bet you right now that the case will either get dismissed or if it went to trial against the attorney they'll be a not guilty because it's really not criminal okay um in 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 this this the probate judge that's um dragged into this whole thing um you think that then it'll eventually, once the smoke kind of clears a little bit, uh, that individual will be exonerated? Oh, I think so. Yeah. And, you know, um, John, this type of thing, if it was an ordinary sure. person. Got a lot of would, headlines, though. Yeah. Well, sure. Anytime an attorney gets jammed up, it's big headlines. Yeah. But if this was an ordinary citizen who allegedly submitted a false bill, they could work this out criminally very right. quickly. Sure. But if it's an attorney, and they work out any sort of a agreement, a plea bargain, if you will, then the attorney's law license is in jeopardy. So it's kind of a situation where unless it gets dismissed pretrial, it's, you got to take it forward because there's really no opportunity for a plea bargain. Folks, as who with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, we've talked a lot about the whole business of coastal and coastal rights, uh, shoreline rights. It's now been changed where it's 10 feet above the high tide line. Some property owners uh, filed uh, a, a suit to try to stop this that has now been implemented. But what are we to make of the attorney general? He's looking to get the whole thing tossed. Well, yeah, Nero- Peter Narona, through his office, has filed a motion to dismiss the plaintiff's complaint. And the plaintiffs are an organization of homeowners and landowners who are adversely affected by this new legislation. So uh, Narona's office is going for a quick kill. Um, They just filed their papers. There will clearly um, be a response filed by the plaintiffs to this motion to dismiss. So we have not heard from the plaintiffs rebuttal argument to the motion to dismiss. It's very difficult at this juncture to get a case dismissed. Um, There's been no discovery. I mean, the motion to dismiss would essentially say that there's no competent legal theory presented by the plaintiffs. And the the AG will say, well, based upon the, the presumed validity of this statute, there is no case. This is all a precursor to this case winding up in the Rhode Island Supreme Court. As we've said before, There's no other place for this case to really get decided. Um, A judge might toss the case on a motion to dismiss. It goes up to the Supreme Court. 
if the judge denies the motion to dismiss and the case proceeds to some sort of a judicial determination, whoever the winner is or the loser is, the loser is going to take an appeal to the Supreme Court. Because you've got a very novel situation where we're juxtaposing the Rhode Island Constitution versus the language of this um, just enacted statute, which seemed to be at cross purposes. I mean, I think based upon what I know to date that um, the legislation enacted is clearly susceptible to a constitutional attack. I can't predict what our Supreme Court will do, but I think there's a real potent issue of potential unconstitutionality of this statute. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus. Call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401 885 4209. Three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they're going to serve you for a very long time. They have a great user-friendly website. You just log on at propaneplus.com, and then you type in your zip code, residential, commercial, propane plus, heating and cooling, always there for you. Give them a call today in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508 252 3359, the Johnson family, three generations, heating and cooling. You can always depend on Propane Plus. We're speaking with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this Karen Reed case out of Canton, Massachusetts, certainly has garnered a lot of attention. Uh, a lot of, it was late night drinking, and the next thing you know, boyfriend is found the next morning dead in a snowbank. She's charged with murder. This allegations that it was really the people inside the house it was a cover-up but one of the things that the prosecutors were looking for was a gag order in this case because there's been so much pre-trial publicity uh motions leaked and so forth if you could just touch on the judge ruled against the gag order here well gag orders are very difficult to get pre-trial they're difficult to enforce pre-trial as we've seen with president trump not to talk about him again but, you know, some of the cases he's involved in, uh, I believe there's a gag order in New York to some degree. Judges don't want cases to be tried by media. They're, they don't want the media to, um, through reporting and information that's provided, potentially poison a potential jury pool. Now, when things are going the prosecution's way, think about, again, not to talk about Trump, but as things get leaked from the Justice Department, we learn everything that there is to learn about these indictments before they come out through leaks, right. which are all in the media, and they're all for yeah. an intended purpose. But when the defense is doing the same thing, the prosecution doesn't like it, and they try to put a stop to it. And in Karen Reed's case, the defense has been very creative and very aggressive, putting stuff out in the media sharing their motions, sharing their legal theories. Um, there's also been motions uh, attempting to get the judge to recuse herself, going through a whole litany of things that the defense believed would compromise the judge's impartiality. The judge didn't recuse herself. But it, it's as if the defense is throwing everything they can think of against the wall, seeing what will stick and make sure that the media knows everything they're doing. Is it to try to influence the jury? Well, whether it's the main objective or not, it certainly is a byproduct that you would attempt to get your message, some of which might not come in at a trial. You want to get your message out there into the minds of the general public, which could make it difficult to even pick a jury in this case, or will jurors in some form or fashion know things about the case that they're not acknowledging at the time a jury is being selected. Um, I think the judge made the right call. I think what the defense doing is really, really driving the prosecutors crazy. But in my view, unless and until the judge stops it, what the defense doing 
is doing um, is appropriately, vigorously doing everything they can for their client. Um, two cases, uh, situations, legal cases out of the city of Warwick. The first one, Tim Dodd, now this Connecticut point, uh, it certainly can be dangerous. There's a sandbar there. It was recently just uh, just the summer there was a drowning there, and then the city's going to great lengths now to, to try to warn people. But there was a Father's Day uh, drowning, and now the people involved with that are bringing a suit against the city. What can you tell us about that? Well, this case that suit has just been brought I think it's about a two-year-old situation, little girls in the waters off of Connecticut Point. When the tide changes, it gets very dangerous. She was apparently in the area of a sandbar, and there's a very rapid change in current, which she got in trouble. She couldn't get back to shore. Uh, I think it's her uncle went to try to rescue her, and ultimately they both drowned tragically. Um, there's been other problems at that location. There's been a problem this year at that location. So the family of these two drowning victims from two years ago hired Mark Dekoff's firm. Mark's a, one of the premier lawyers in Rhode Island. No His doubt. firm takes on heavy, heavy cases every day. And they have gone after and uh, filed suit against the city of Warwick, essentially for a failure to warn that this is a known problem. It's been a known problem for years. Everyone, not everyone, but many people know about the dangerous currents there. Apparently the drowning victims in this case were unaware of the dangers of this location. So it's a failure to warn. And now um, Warwick is making a show of the fact they've now put up signs warning people of the dangers Apparently, there's like a warning beacon that flashes in the mayor's office or the police station if there's a dangerous change in the um, tides at that point. Now, that's all good from Warwick's standpoint to try to prevent future incidents of this type. But what it is from the plaintiffs is it's what we call a subsequent remedial repair. Yep. So if this case were to go to trial, plaintiffs could put in the fact that Warwick perceived the danger, did something about it after the incident, which would show that they knew or reasonably should have known that there was a dangerous condition. Now, if these two drowning victims were the first people ever to run into problems at Connecticut Point, right. it would be a weak case. But sure. these are not the first two people no. who have run into problems there. It is something that Warwick knew or should have known about and that they should have warned the public, those unaware of the dangers they could be facing. Until the tide changes, everything's fine. You right. wouldn't perceive there's going to be a problem. But when there's a tide change, depending on the day and the intensity of the currents, you can really, really get whipsawed out there yeah. and have a real problem getting back to shore. So the subsequent remedial repair or change that's been made, not that it's a repair, but subsequent remedial measure, the warning system, the signage warning people um, is evidence, good evidence for the plaintiff that if those things had been in place the day right. they were on the water, they would not have drowned. They would have known they would not have gone in and it would have been a different outcome. So I think it's a very viable case. The only issue could be that when you sue a municipality, there's caps on the amount that you can recover. So the case might not have the monetary value that other wrongful death cases might have. But I think the fact that this suit has been brought is very legitimate and it serves a very um, important public safety issue that if other towns have similar dangerous areas where people are known to drown, fall in the water, rip currents, slippery rocks, things of this nature, there is an obligation of cities and towns to warn the public. And so yeah. I think this case is a good message for that type of obligation of cities and towns. We're speaking with our legal analyst, it's attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, speaking of President Trump, Jerry Zarell is no shrinking violet. 
he um, ran the Trump campaign. He was the head of it in Rhode Island. Since then, he's had a somewhat falling out with the leaders of the Republican Party. But this this kind of is an unusual lawsuit that he has brought against some of the local members of the Rhode Island Republican Party. Jerry Zarella has never shied away from a fight. Um, he's combative. Uh, he's yeah. smart. He's got the resources to uh, yeah. take on this type of litigation. Uh, I'm just not sure how viable this case is going to be because, again, yeah. you've got to show show the animus of the people he's suing that they did it with what, what the the conduct he alleges the sole purpose was um, to be vindictive and punitive against Jerry Zarella. And I think that's a pretty heavy lift. So he yeah. got a headline, um, you know, the Republican party is so minuscule that, but they always seem to be fighting with each other. Um, this is further evidence of that, but I, I, unless this case settles, if it were to go to trial, I'm not sure that, he would have a victory or if he did, it would be of a very nominal monetary value. Just finally, um, the case goes on. We don't know what's happening with the investigation, the signature scandal with Sabina Matos, but it, it, uh, it is interesting. The secretary of state wants to introduce a law that the Tim Dodd, the board of elections, they're really coming under fire that they seemingly didn't really, you know, do an investigation. They just said that they were up against the, the deadline because to get the ballots out but when you think about it it's it's not a very good process that they believe that maybe someone shouldn't qualify for the ballot but because the clock is ticking they don't have time to investigate so then they just plot along with it well yes they're coming under fire their their response to all of this has been kind of pitiful rather anemic now there are very short windows to do this type of activity and my understanding is that the candidate who brought this case before the Board of Elections, I think it was Carlson, neither he nor his attorney showed up at the hearing. So his case got dismissed. Had he shown up, I think, or his counsel shown up, my understanding is that the Board of Elections would have been duty bound to do more than they're doing. But the lack of follow through after the complaint was made gave the Board of Elections an out to say, well, this case is dismissed because no one showed up to prosecute it. I, I don't know what the candidate, complaining candidate was thinking, maybe that the complaint in and of itself would trigger a further investigation by the Board of Elections, but it certainly didn't. Now, Greg Amore, his his opening shot is to suggest there needs to be legislation to beef up what occurs at the Board of Election. It'd be nice if he went the whole way and said, why don't we have some voter ID or bring back notarizations of signatures and get rid of drop boxes. But I don't think you'll ever find him going that far. But there are clearly ways to fix the shenanigans that are occurring um, with mail-in ballots and with these types of nomination papers. one thing would be to require nomination papers to be turned in sooner so that city and town officials would have more time to scrutinize the signatures that are obtained. You know, this, this is a unique case. I'm, I'm presuming, I will speculate, that in every election, there's some phony signatures that are gathered. Sure. And it's unusual that Jamestown would have triggered all of this, saying, look, at we know that there's fraudulent signings here from people who are dead, people who don't live here anymore. Uh, Other cities and towns prick up their ears. Newport did it. You know, other cities and towns have done the same thing. That should be standard practice. It shouldn't be that a local official stumbles into it and reports the, the alleged fraud. It should be standard operating procedure that these Nomination papers are vetted and scrutinized. Um, I don't think it really happens to the degree that it should. Yeah. Folks, again, he is our legal analyst. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always. We'll keep an eye on the Trump developments and we'll talk to you again. Yes. Yes, John. Take care. Get your driveway paved. J. 
Perry Paving. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot. J, letter J, J Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. Online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on Facebook. It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Stop in and see Marie that historic white church shop local inside all quality products vitamins herbal remedies trusted companies they understand quality integrity it's my health it's all about your health local products i say honey maple syrup beef fresh gum you know they carry over 250 bulk herbs teas and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas hemp and cbd products and much more natural skincare products stop it and see marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. It's all about health for you, for your family. There's vitamins for children, all different types of teas, all different types of spices. Boy, what a difference it'll make. Shop local. Stop it and see the queen of health. It's Marie. And It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, right in that historic white church. It's all about health. It's all about your health at It's My Health. Make sure to find the John DePietro Show Facebook page, and you can watch all the action on the scene live stream. Follow it all, real-time, live stream. Just follow John DePietro Show right there on the Facebook page. Limitless Outdoors. Why do they call it Limitless Outdoors RI? Well, because it's limitless what they could do for your home, for your property. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. Remember their slogan, dream, build, enjoy. It starts with a discussion how you'd like to use your outdoor space. They can design your outdoor space to fit your aesthetics and lifestyle. They specialize in patios, walkways, steps, outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installation, excavation, limitless outdoors. They can also update your indoor fireplace. Call today, free consultation, free quote, 401-580-1852. You can also find them on Facebook and then their website is LimitlessOutdoorsRI.com. How about an outdoor kitchen? Call them today, Limitless Outdoors, 401-580-1852. Remember to follow the John DePietro Show on YouTube. It's John DePietro Show on YouTube. Subscribe, which means you get notified whenever we post new videos. You find original content, video you can't find anywhere else subscribe today it's free it's the youtube channel of the john DePietro show